I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to Best on the Board presented by BetMGM here at The Athletic. Michael Beller with you to kick off what is going to be one hell of a football week ahead of us. Of course, it all starts tonight, Monday night, college football playoff championship game, Georgia and Alabama. Georgia and Alabama too. First game was definitely not a disappointment. This one promises to be another great one. We're going to start there. We're also going to take a look ahead to the wild card round in the NFL, which comes at us beginning on Saturday, spread across three days. So bookended this week with some great, great football action. Joining me to talk about the college football playoff championship, we have Ari Wasserman. Ari, what is going on? Big, big day tonight, my friend. And you were on this Georgia team quite a while ago. You know, I uh, always love watching the national championship, guys, but I'm always sad because it means the season's over. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm kind of, like, in a weird, weird mood where just, like, I don't have college football now for, like, eight more months, which Mm -hmm. means I'll probably be more financially stable. But uh, (laughs) it's always a a tough, tough thing to let it go because it comes and goes so fast. But I'm excited. I'm excited to hopefully see a good game on on Monday night. Yeah, I'm excited for that, too. And, I mean, you've got to be – Pretty excited about some of those Georgia futures. You have some. I'm not misremembering that, right? You've got some Georgia futures in your pocket. Yeah, I'm. I'm sitting here right now, um, wondering how I'm going to uh, play this tonight because I haven't hedged yet. But I played Georgia. I believe it was five to one uh, before the year started, and Alabama's getting plus money tonight. So yeah. I've got a pretty good hedge opportunity here. I. I I don't know if I'm going to be a wuss or not, though, and just let it ride. Um, so we'll see how how this goes because um, I'm very curious to know what Dan has on this game and if he if he likes the over that I'm hedging. So <laughs> <laughs> and he always likes the over in these games. Always <laughs> liking the over. Dan Sanremita with us as well. And Dan, yeah, I mean this is uh, this is a game that I I do think is going to live up to the billing that we're all expecting for it. What about nine hours from now? Yeah, I'm excited just because I I think the coaching side of this game is what's going to be the most interesting in terms of the adjustments of what we saw the first time versus what we'll see this time. So uh, I I can't wait to see it unfold. I think it'll be more competitive than the last one. uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, who knows what we'll see with these kind of games. It's always a surprise, it seems like. All right, guys, we've been doing this for months together. We've been doing it weekly for four, four and a half months. This is the last time we will talk about college football on this show for, as Ari said, about eight months. So 
let's get into it here, you guys. Georgia, as uh, as we wake up here on Monday morning, Georgia is two-and-a-half-point favorites. This has been moving basically between two-and-a-half and three, and it's been going back and forth, and it's been Georgia as the favorite here all, uh, what, nine days long. Um, two-and-a-half-point favorites today on Monday morning, 52-and-a-half is the total on this game. So before we get into any of what you're actually picking, what you want to do with this game from a betting perspective, let's just talk about the game itself. Ari, where do you think this game is ultimately decided? How are you sizing up these two teams against one another, knowing what we already know about them and the first matchup that they had against one another in the SEC championship game? At the risk of sounding cliche, guys, uh, one team has a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and the other team has a walk-on. Mm-hmm. Uh, former walk-on starting, and I know that Stetson Bennett has played very well in, in spots this year, and you know Georgia fans have become accustomed to liking him. Um, <laughs> but if you go back and you look at the last five national championship winners, all of them are, are uh, starting NFL quarterbacks right now. And Alabama, who benched uh, Jalen Hurts for Tua at halftime a few years ago, yeah. both of those guys are <laughs> NFL starters now. Yeah. So um, it just kind of goes to show you that quarterback play is such a such a important piece of the puzzle when it comes to this thing. So like to me, if Georgia's gonna win this game and you know I'm pick them before the season started to win it all and I would be such a coward to just <laughs> You would be get to the I was getting ready to and, call you a coward. Yeah, yeah, get to the doorstep <laughs> and pick against them. I do think that it's really hard to beat the same team twice, despite what Utah did to Oregon. Um I hope for Georgia's sake that their coaching staff was able to come up with some defensive, you know, alterations to put them in a position to hold Alabama's offense in check. Uh, I think that Georgia probably has to score 27 to 30 points in this game to win. Um, probably 31 to 34 to cover. I mean, I don't know. Um, and I think they have that in them. But if Alabama starts scoring into the mid-30s or whatever, Georgia's going to lose. So I think Georgia's defense, which has carried them all year mm-hmm. and has made uh, average teams look completely hopeless, should – if they want to win a national championship, they got to keep Alabama from looking like unstoppable. And I covered the uh, Cincinnati Alabama game. I've watched Alabama all year. The funniest thing about this game, guys, is that this is like the second worst or the worst Alabama team of the playoff era. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think people have put that together yet. Last year, they had six first round draft picks. They've had ups and downs. Like if you look at their regular season, they haven't always been the Alabama that we've come to know and love. And the genius of Nick Saban is that in a quote unquote down year with a down team, they're still playing for a national championship. So that just kind of goes to show you how great of a coach he is. Um, That said, Georgia is never going to have a better yellow brick road to a national championship than they do this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their team is built to win one um, outside of, unfortunately, the quarterback position. And I feel like if they can't get it done tonight, that, you know, even though they're going to be well assembled into the future with talented rosters, that I don't think it's ever going to be an easier path. Um, So to me, it just can can Georgia's defense be 80 percent as good as it looked against some of the teams that had no chance to beat them. Dan, same question to you. What do you when you're when you're breaking this down? When you're what's the first thing that you're thinking about when you're trying to determine who wins this game and where you want to start to be placing your money? Well, I think Ari said it perfectly with the uh, the points Georgia has to score to win, which is why I like mm-hmm. the over. I think this should be a close game. I don't think there's a big advantage in taking a side against the spread because uh, I think you're pretty much looking at a one-score game and then game state's going to dictate who wins and maybe a turnover or something. I don't think there's a big edge in that. Uh, but I do think, like I said, if Georgia Georgia has to score, 
high 20s, 30s to win, right? They're not going to totally shut Alabama down like they've done to so many other teams. And if it gets higher scoring than that, that favors Alabama. But I, I do think, look, the number is 52 and a half. If Alabama and Georgia are playing 30 to 20 down the stretch, you're, you're within a score late. I think that's pretty much what we're looking at, and I think there's a chance it goes way over again. But yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal some notes from uh, our Georgia beat writer, Seth Emerson, who had something after the SC title game. And I thought these stats were really telling. He uh, did a rewatch of the game and counted through Georgia's pass rush against Bryce Young. So they had 48 dropbacks, 22 of which Georgia only rushed four, and almost all of Alabama's big plays came out of those, he said. Uh, there were 12 five- or six-man rushes for Georgia, and those were more effective. The thing that was key was Alabama decided to, you know, because everyone was talking about Alabama's offensive line, right, and how effective they were in that first game. But they also avoided pass pressure and 14 quick hitters, and Bryce Young was 12 of 14 for 100 yards on those plays. So, and he threw for 297 yards and three touchdowns when they rushed four or fewer versus one of 11 for 24 yards when Georgia rushed five or more. So there's your easy adjustment for Kirby Smart and Georgia. Be like, hey, we have to bring pressure. Alabama's going to do the quick hitters, and they're going to get some plays off of that. But you have to bring pressure because you got burned not doing it too often the first time. So that's where I think Georgia's defense could be like, all right, we have to trust our ability to get some pressure and bother them because we tried doing it normal and it didn't work. Ari, you say you have to be a coward to go against uh, your preseason pick, and so you're sticking with Georgia, Georgia minus two and a half. What's the break-even point for what I could tell you about the defense in advance? Like, if I told you um, I am coming back to you from the future, I just arrived here you know, from 12 hours from now, and I can tell you that uh, Georgia holds Alabama to 27 points, would you sign up for that? Or would you say, no, no, I'll just roll the dice and see what they can actually do? I don't – this would be a good statistic because I don't know it off the top of my head. But if you went back and you looked at all the playoff games that were won in the past four years as the game has changed, mm -hmm. I don't know that many of them were won by scoring 23 points. Like I think a lot of – I mean, most teams that have advanced or yeah. won a national championship have done so by scoring into the 30s or 40s. So if you told me that Georgia was able to hold Alabama to 27 points, I would like that for them. Mm -hmm. And if you you know, put – Georgia at 30 there, that's right hovering around the over-under total, depending on where you want to put it. So I think that that all makes sense. Now, here's the thing that we have to say, and I have to say, I said it on the Andy Staples show, and I'll say it here. At a certain point, you're just a moron to bet against Nick Saban. <laughs> sure. And like I think that like we could look at all these stats and all these circumstantial evidence pieces to say, well, here's why this is going to happen. And like sometimes the answer is just like, Nick Saban's getting points and plus money right now. Mm. So it's like if I were betting the game myself, I think I might take plus money um, just because the value of what that is. And that sure. doesn't happen very often. And I do think it's interesting that I think 60 to 70 percent of the action is on Alabama. In what the spread has moved back and forth between a half point, which I think Move, can be half point, so yeah. I am in a different situation than just betting it straight up because. Um, I have a decision about whether or not I'm going to hedge a money line play. Um, but I also feel like staying true to what I thought the season was going to do in mm -hmm. the, you know, in the beginning of the year, 
that Georgia is well-equipped to finally beat an Alabama team that was depleted for Alabama standards when it came to top-end talent after what they lost in the NFL draft last year. And and Georgia's team is stacked from top to bottom with elite-level talent. Mm -hmm. Uh, George Pickens is healthy. They have the benefit of the doubt of having some of those adjustment uh, pieces to their to their advantage to have film. And I always feel like if you win the first matchup, you've got less um, less to change and less to adjust to than the team that lost, yep, which is why sense. it's so hard to win twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to play Georgia, and I think I might not hedge just because I like watching the game and not being a coward. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, too, like if you're like sitting here and saying Ari's a moron, he's betting against Nick Saban. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, get it. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Um, so for what it's worth in the in the CFP era, which goes back to 2015, we've had one champion score fewer than 35 points in the championship game, and it was this this matchup in 2018 when Georgia won 26 or when Alabama won, excuse me, 26 23 in overtime. And in most of those games, in most of those matchups, they needed all those points. Now, there are some that were you know the, the LSU Clemson um, go back all the way to the very first one, uh, Ohio State. And uh, Oregon, those were those were some where they scored more than they needed. But in general, we have seen high scoring championship games since we've been in the CFP era. So maybe that does end up playing into into what and we here's were talking the thing, about guys. Like over. Georgia was a top twenty five team nationally in yards per game this year. Yeah, and like I don't know how much. Like, see, the thing that I have a hard time with statistics is in the NFL, and Beller will understand this. Obviously, the teams don't have such talent gaps. You know, the best teams and the worst teams are much closer than the best teams and the yeah. worst teams in the college football. So, like, if Georgia rolls over, uh, I don't know, Vanderbilt by scoring 62 points in a 62 nothing game, mm-hmm. that changes the stats a little bit. So, like, when I look at stats in college football, I'm not as enamored with them as I am if I'm betting the NFL right. because you can totally mm-hmm. stack them with overmatched yeah. opponents. The, uh, but, the, the, the Jaguars of college football do not beat <laughs> the Colts of college football the way that we saw ever. yesterday. Yeah. Yes, and it was an ass kicking. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fell fell a victim to the live genie on that one, boys. <laughs> That's um, such a perfect live bet, though, right? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got plus money on the Colts beating the Jaguars in the beginning of the third quarter, so yeah. I, I I thought, you know, and don't the Jaguars still have the first pick in the draft too? I think I saw. Maybe. So that was because yeah. because of the because of the Lions win over the Packers. Yeah, God, the Lions. <laughs> they can't even lose when they're supposed to. Uh, the pluckiest uh, three-win team in NFL history, that's um, for sure. But the thing I'll say, guys, and if you if you want to take stats into account, go ahead. Georgia's the top 10 team nationally in scoring offense. So I think they averaged 39.1 points per game this year. And, um, you know, again, that's not against Alabama's defense, mm-hmm. but they should be able to score 30 points. I mean, they've got a great running game. Their receivers are are talented. Yep. Their offensive line is top notch with you know draft picks all over the mm-hmm. place. Like they, they should be able to score thirty, right? And well, Alabama's just not as good as people think they are. I think it's a helmet game. And I know they already beat Georgia, and I sound like a hypocrite, <laughs> but Alabama is not last year's Alabama. Mm-hmm. What Ohio State say, beat these teams? Oh. Yeah, what Ohio <laughs> yeah. State beat these two? I would say no on that one, boys. I think last year's Ohio State team would beat both these teams. Mm-hmm. The thing I'll say for Georgia's offense is the first game we saw, right, Georgia's offense gets the benefit of field position and being able to control the clock because their defense is usually just smothering the opposition. So they're getting favorable uh, field position and mm-hmm. getting the clock and tired defenses and all that. And they, we saw in the first Alabama game they had none of those things. Once Alabama's offense started rolling, it felt like Georgia's offense had to do all the work and just was – 
not able to with Bennett at quarterback, right? So I think that's the one thing where, yeah, they have a good offense. I think the numbers are inflated by their defense setting them up all the time, uh, and they didn't have that the first time. So if the, if the defense doesn't get stops, then maybe that's asking too much of their offense to do it on their own. All right, guys, last word on this. One play and one play only. If you're making one play tonight, what is it? What do you got for us, Dan? Uh, the over. It worked so well last time, I can't I can't <laughs> fight it again. <laughs> yeah. Ari, how about you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm playing Georgia. You know, I, I just made up my mind. And, again, I'm not laying points because I had the preseason yep. – um, plus odds to win the national title. Um, and I think this is usually a pretty good opportunity for live. Like if Georgia gets yep. up early and mm-hmm. we get a plus 200 situation for Alabama, then I might, you know, consider it then. Um, but I think that the line not moving much is an indication of where things are at. Um, I'm just going to fall into the trap of just like Alabama can't win the national title every year. And if they are um, way less deep than they were a year ago, and this is their down year, quote unquote, down year, and Georgia's <laughs> built for it. And then I, I just think that eventually it's something different's going to have to happen. And I do think that the line, uh, lack of line movement is telling here. And, you know, I can really get on board with some of the stats that Dan came up with with the rush. And, you know, Jordan Davis isn't standing in the middle of the game with his hands on his hips, like sucking air, like maybe they have a shot to do something. And, <laughs> you know, I, I do think that eventually I'm going to do something live in this game one way or uh-huh. the other. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Georgia. That was my play from the beginning of the year. Um, of course, they have to play Alabama, but I'm gonna stay Georgia here. This should be a hell of a game tonight, you guys. Something we've been building toward. It's felt like these have been the two best teams all season long, with Ohio State mixing in there also. But uh, this is a game we've been building toward for the college football and Wisconsin. And well, of course, but <laughs> listen, we got a lot of Wisconsin basketball that we're gonna get on this show over the next couple of months. So we don't need to we don't need to shoehorn in anything with Graham Mertz in this episode. But uh, it's an exciting game. It's a great matchup. It's one we're very excited about. It's a great way to put an exclamation point on this college football season. Georgia and Alabama getting together for the college football play championship guys i'm sad to say that this is the last time we'll do this together at least in college well, we football do, for, yeah oh i we mean we could do middle of the summer uh funny um mgm bets right they'll yeah, put out sure. their like way too early lines like oh, it'll yeah. be yeah you know we'll, we'll do that we'll do some futures yeah, we'll next get some year futures uh, nice and early we'll get some i don't know maybe we'll get some some spring game sort of stuff it'll be fun oh, we'll God. definitely figure something out do they have spring game lines i don't think I, they have spring no, no, game no. do no. they i would i would that'd be hilarious though i would <laughs> play them do you yeah. <laughs> sitting there looking at the rosters like yeah. which five-star freshmen's on what team you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely do it but this has been a an incredibly fun season uh with you guys so uh so thank you for all you've brought to the show this year it's no problem do you have a record money Beller? tonight I Dude. don't have them handy, oh, but I, I will. Know how bad we thank were. God. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will. Yeah, you know, it's the you know it's the, like yeah you know, holidays and the paternity leave. Like I don't have them all handy in the spreadsheet the way that I typically do. But I'll circle. My back kid and messed up, up everything, didn't they? Uh, well, I, yeah. I mean, our records are so far like like we have so many like our our number of different, picks are yeah. so completely different because of fatherhood for for our i mean i do i i (laughs) went over 500 in the year-long pool that we did right yeah oh yeah you had the best record of our for our our full on the website yeah yeah Yeah. um and those games were the hardest games to pick so i'm gonna cling to that (laughs) over 500 picking primetime games for an entire college football season is like i might tattoo that on my back somewhere yeah Yeah, forced picks yeah yeah so you and james holtzauer 
carrying the <laughs> carrying the athletic mantle. Hey, I, one day I'd like to talk to that guy about what his system is, though. Yeah, I think that's. I bet have- you that guy is a crazy line movement live better person, isn't he? Like I don't he, know. He, he, he it's has an offline be, chat, I think, though. Like, like, what does a professional gambler, sports gambler, mean? It means like buying lines, like the stock market, and then the outcomes of the games don't even matter. Yes, I mean he's also really, yeah. really smart. He's got all the Jeopardy yeah. money. I saw the Jeopardy. <laughs> I saw Jeopardy. Okay, I'll, I'll shut up. He's now. got the Jeopardy <laughs> money. You, got, you can't forget about that. And now he's got that other. You know, he's 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 doing he's doing very well, and he's very smart. But we should yeah, we should uh, get a little offline chat between you guys going. That would be great. But uh, yeah, this has been awesome. This has been great. Georgia, Alabama, going to be uh, a great way to end things here for us on Best in the Board and for uh, this uh, this college football season. Ari Wasserman, Dan Santa Ramita. It's been fun, guys. Good luck tonight. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, NFL time coming up at you right now. Andrew DeWitt joining me to talk through the entire Wild Card Weekend, or I guess maybe more accurately, DeWitt, we're basically going to set the stage. We're going to make some early picks like we've done on this Monday episode all season long, but really we're just setting the stage because there's going to be a lot of NFL talk on this show all playoffs long. We're going to hit on the NFL every single episode, every single time we come talking to you. We're going to be talking about that coming NFL weekend schedule. So we're going to get through this wildcard slate, at least setting the stage, setting the foundation for what we think. How's it going, man? How you doing? Oh, doing good. That was a fun week 18, wasn't it? Oh my God. I mean, usually it's awesome. a dud. Like it's usually <laughs> just, oh, we got this one game. There's like some positioning going on, but mm-hmm. it's like every... Every window had something crazy going on. Yeah. The Jaguars, the you know, the NFC West coming down to the overtime game, mm-hmm. which both those teams could have played for overtime or the tie too, and still got the result. By the way, yeah. And then you had, I mean, Sunday night football was just insane. I don't even know how to summarize that, but I just can't. Believe I don't know if, that. I don't think you can. I mean, it's just like with what was with the with the tie angle with the the. Um, analytics angle that was brought into it and just like so many decisions having to be made everything Justin Herbert did all those throws Justin Herbert made I mean I feel like something that's being lost in the craziness of the game going to overtime and almost getting all the way through overtime is that everything is moot if the Chargers don't hit a fourth and 21 touchdown like that was for day after after Herbert put that dime on Mike Williams on third and 21 right yeah I mean, just I mean- ridiculous he kept throwing to the near side of the field, like every single, like in the fourth quarter. Like I don't think he threw to the to the far side of the field based on the TV angle mm-hmm. once. And so I'm like, what are they doing? Like he literally was just throwing outside the numbers every single play, forcing the throws. Then it'd be fourth down. He's like, okay, I'll go to the go across the field now. I guess because I've, you know, I've stopped throwing hail marys to the outside the numbers. It's like unbelievable. Outside the numbers are like one of the least effective throws that yeah. are out there. Though, like the analytics. I mean. Well, it's not even going to analytics. Yeah, yeah. That's just a whole different I argument. I do not want to have that discussion. No, but <laughs> it was just crazy. Like how five straight fourth downs mm-hmm. just. And then and like fourth and know, tens. We're not talking like they're handing it off to Austin Eckler on fourth and two. Right. Yeah. These were all, <laughs> I think they were incomplete on like, I think he only completed one or two passes on that drive, like the 10, 15 play drive to score the second touchdown. I think he only completed one or two passes on third or second. 
second or third down. Yeah. I know he was like oh for it on the first down. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, just absolutely crazy way to end what was a crazy week and get us into the playoffs. We're just going to take these in chronological order. And again, we're talking through them. If we have plays so we already like already, we'll throw them out. But let's just talk through these matchups. I know the first game is one that we both have already played, and it is Bengals and Raiders. The Raiders get through, win that game. Get this one against the Bengals. This is why the Raiders were always going to be playing this game straight. Like the Raiders were on, like talk about the Brandon Staley timeout as much as you want to. You're wasting your breath. The Raiders were always going to kick that field goal because they had nothing to lose. I mean, what what's the percentage of a field goal getting blocked and returned for a touchdown? Right? It's it's a it's a fraction. It's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. There's not there's no actual risk there. And so they always wanted this matchup against the Bengals rather than the Chiefs matchup that they would have got had these two teams tied. So get that Brandon Staley timeout discussion out of here. I don't want to hear anything about it. What I do want to hear is why you also like the Bengals to cover this spread. Because I, the last thing I did before turning my phone over, popping out a book, and getting in bed last night was put some money on the Bengals to cover what was six at the time and is now six and a half. Uh, the, I, I just look at the Raiders. Like at the end of their season, they – you know, they played, they beat the Colts, mm-hmm. but Carson Wentz had COVID that week, yep. and we've seen players drop off when they've had COVID the week before. Yep. Um, they beat Nick Mullins yep. on, I believe he was signed that week to the Browns, if he I'm was. remembering this correctly. He was signed that week, that is correct. And then they and beat they, they Drew barely won, They barely won that game against the Browns. Yes. <laughs> and then they beat Drew Locke yep. when the Broncos weren't even trying to score, it seemed like. It was just, I mean, they've, sure, they've put together a nice little win streak, and like, honestly, I thought the... The Raiders played pretty well last night, and as I mentioned, like Darren Waller came back last night, so that helps the offense, and he'll be a little bit more healthy, I think, on Saturday. I like the Bengals because it's a short week for the, the Raiders coming off an emotional win last night, and I don't think the Raiders expected to be in the playoffs, to be honest. Like, none of these players were making plans. They were all making plans for this weekend. <laughs> they thought they were done four weeks ago, so I, I just think, and then look at the Bengals, which just throw out yesterday's game because they didn't even try to win that game, yep. you know. Joe Burrow had almost close to a thousand yards passing the last two weeks that he tried in you know the last two weeks of the regular season. Big win against the Chiefs. I I just like how the Bengals look, and I think Joe Burrow is like finally healthy mm-hmm. because the ACL tear. I and I think he tore a little bit more than his ACL. Is that you know that takes time to get a hundred percent. Like players can play through that injury, but when you talk to people, they don't get a hundred percent until like close to 18 months after the injury. Yeah. So I think Joe Burrow is just now starting to get to that closer to eight, like a hundred percent. And the Bengals are trusting him more to make those throws. And they're, they're not running the ball. They're like they used Joe Mixon so heavily in the first like half of the season. And now they're like leaning into the wide receiver core that they have and throwing the ball. So I just, I mean, I just see the Bengals like rolling in this game. But. I, I do too. I mean, let's remember these teams played each other in the regular season. It was a 32 to 13 Bengals victory, and it was a little closer than that final score suggests. The Bengals scored, they scored like two touchdowns in the fourth quarter of that game. So it was a little bit closer, but it was also a game that the Bengals had the Raiders basically at arm's length until they ultimately scored those like 14 or 16 points in the fourth quarter and ended up winning it uh, pretty comfortably by that 32 to 13 score. But yeah, you don't want to put too much stock into just one result, one game in any NFL situation. But that Chiefs game that the Bengals won really did feel like the arrival of the Cincinnati Bengals and that this is going to be a team that is a force to be reckoned with in the AFC for you know the next, I don't know, at least three years. I'll just call it, right? So we don't want to say a, like a decade or anything crazy like that in the NFL because things can turn very quickly. But this offense is going to be a force 
for a long time to come. And that really showed up in that Chiefs game. And I remember going into that game, they had just come off the ridiculous game the week before against the Ravens when Burrow threw for 500-whatever yards. And, you know, it was a very impressive performance, but we were all cautioning a little bit, like, look, these are not your dad's Ravens. This is not Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. And not only that, they are very banged up. Like, even the watered-down version of the Ravens that they are is even watered-down beyond that because of all their secondary injuries. So you can't take away what the what the Bengals did offensively in that game, but they did it against a relatively soft opponent. And they come out, and they get down in that game against the Chiefs. And then to come back the way that they did, and for Burrow and, and Jamar Chase to do what they did in that game, in that spot, in such a huge game, in a game where the Bengals are going to clinch the AFC North with a win, where the Chiefs had a lot to play for. That loss is why the Chiefs are playing this week and why they're not the team that's getting to take a week off, and the Titans are. Like There was a lot to play for for the Chiefs in that game, too. And the Bengals come out, they come back, they win that game. Like That was the arrival of the Cincinnati Bengals as not just this cute, fun 2022 story, but as a legitimate threat in the AFC and as a team that we're going to be talking about as sort of penciling in as a playoff team at the start of the season, just as an assumption, and then we go from there. And so that's a very different narrative from what we're talking about with the Las Vegas Raiders going into the playoffs. I mean, let's not like sell like if we were talking about this as a regular season matchup, we'd also be talking about the fact that the Bengals just had basically a bye. Their Bengals are coming off a bye. The Raiders are coming off a Sunday night game where they had to play 70 minutes of football, uh, expend everything that they had in them just to get into the playoffs. And now they got to turn around, go on the road, play this team that feels like it's clicking on all cylinders is just flat out a better team. It's a team that beat them by 20 points in the regular season uh, in Vegas. Like, Everything about this says Bengals, 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 and I don't want to lose sight of the fact that the Bengals are just the better team. This is my favorite bet of Wild Card Weekend. Hopefully we get off to a good start. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's uh, it's one that should be – it's also great that, like, you know, this is like the, the spot that was has been reserved for the Texans for so long, the Saturday afternoon game, and, of course, we get Bengals-Raiders thrown in there. But uh, I think we get off to a good start with the Bengals minus 6.5. Bills and Patriots meeting for the third time this season. Bills 4.5-point favorites in this one, 43.5 is the total. If I'm playing anything as we sit here, it six days before – Six days before this game takes place, five days before this game takes place. I'm leaning Bills. Right now it feels like a bit of a stay away from me, though. Yeah, I would actually lean the other way and go Patriots. Um, I like the Patriots in their first matchup before the Wingate happened, and then <laughs> the game was like, mm-hmm. like you can't say you handicapped that game correctly because the wind right. just completely wrecked that game. Um, but then I was surprised like at how the Bills dominated in Foxborough against yeah. Bill Belichick. Um, I mean, if you're the Bills, you're just – and you're a Bills fan, you're like, oh, this is the one team you didn't want to see. You didn't want to see Bill Belichick. You didn't want to see the Patriots. The familiarity there, like, all these games are really close in the division. You know, there's just so much history between these two teams. You've been beat up by this team for so long. Tom Brady dominated you for so long. Just like, this is supposed to be the year that the Bills make another good run, you know, into the playoffs, at least get to the championship game, and now here comes Bill Belichick again. So, Mm -hmm. If I'm leaning one way, I, I would lean towards the Patriots. Um, I might throw an under bet and just see what the weather does because yeah. that were, there was a lot of wind in that game yesterday, which right. I think is why that Bills-Jets game was so close. Um, also because the Bills weren't exactly trying to blow them out of the water. They were just trying to get through that game. But, I mean, I, I would lean towards the, the Patriots in this game just like from a betting point of view, just take the points. It's four and a half is a little bit that bigger than I'm comfortable with, and that's why it's probably a stay away for me. I just think that the like the Bills are just a better team. Like there's there's nothing about the Patriots outside of Bill Belichick that suggests to me that they should be able to win this game. 
And so that's why I'm afraid of taking the Patriots too. And Bill Belichick's a big reason to suggest that they can win this game. But uh, the Bills are better at basically every spot. And you know where the Patriots are better, they're they're either marginally better or the the spot where they're better it makes is a marginal difference. Like I just find it hard to believe that the Patriots are going to find a way to go into Buffalo win this game without some sort of help like they had the first time when they did beat the Bills. Uh, this is just the Bills are just a better team. They got a better quarterback. Uh, they've been in this spot now a couple of years in a row. Uh, they expect to be here. They expect to be a couple of rounds down the line from here. And I think that they are equipped to beat a team like the Patriots. Uh, we've seen it from them already this season. And so four and a half is really what's scaring me away. I just don't quite trust the Bills to cover the four and a half. Uh, but I also don't think the Patriots can win this game. And usually when I take a dog, it's either a big line or I think they can actually win it outright. And so this falls in between that. That's why I can't take the Patriots. I actually think you know something I'll be watching is that assuming that the weather is clear enough and we're not talking about some crazy wind in Buffalo this weekend. I kind of like the over actually, uh, just because of the way that I expect the bills to be able to play in a game where wind is not a factor. Yeah. The only thing, the way I see the Patriots winning this game is that they get turnovers from Josh Allen, who's yeah. thrown some interceptions recently. And then Mac Jones just plays like a conservative game where Damian Harris seems like he's a little bit healthier right now. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get Stevenson back. The, the Patriots are going to win by just pounding the ball and not letting Josh Allen get the ball, frustrating the Bills' offense because they're going to be like, oh, we're just going to sit on the ball and it's just going to be a controlled clock management. But if the Bills get up early, then the Patriots mm-hmm. are going to have to scramble and that's where Mac Jones will make mistakes. So Yeah. One of those games where if I, was, if I were the Bills, I wouldn't just auto-defer if, uh, if I won the coin toss for that reason. Because if you get the, the moment you get out to a lead, and 7 nothing early in the game is not like, uh, game over. But you could really put the Patriots on your heels, on their heels, if you get out to a lead early in this one. So uh, we'll check back in later in the week. For now, it's a, it's a nothing for both of us. Not the case for the same uh, Saturday afternoon game. Buccaneers and Eagles. Buccaneers are 8.5-point favorites in this game. The 2-7 matchup in the NFC. 49.5 is the total that we're looking at at this one. Uh, for right now, it's a stay away for me. But you've got a couple of plays you like in this one. Yeah, I like the Buccaneers. Uh, I betted it at like minus seven yesterday, I think mm-hmm. I got it at, or minus seven and a half. I think seven and a half was um, the open. Right. Um, at BetMGM, I saw seven a couple of places very briefly, like when the lines were first rolling out mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, and then, so I like that because the Buccaneers' strength is their their run game, like the run, topping the run with Vita Vea in the middle, nose tackle. He just takes up so much space. They just signed him to a long contract extension yesterday or the day before on Saturday. I really like... The under two, because I think the Buccaneers are just to control that line of scrimmage. And then Jalen Hurts and like the Eagles run defense isn't going to be able to run the ball the same way that they have against these NFC East opponents late recently. Right. And kind of going back to this trend that we've talked about all season long is we really wanted to just lean into the number two seed, whoever was the seventh seed <laughs> out of the NFC, because yep. I think that was like going to be the weakest team in the NFC, whereas I feel like the rest of the teams at least bring something to the table. Even the 49ers, like with their defense and mm-hmm. how they played yesterday, at least bring something to the table in that Cowboys game. And we can get to that next. But I mean, I really like the Buccaneers. I like Jalen Hurts or I like Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I like Gronk. You I'm like a Tom little Brady? Cons- hey, I think he'll be okay <laughs> in some playoff games. I'm mildly concerned about the wide receiver situation. Yeah. Cause Tom Brady does not trust his wide receivers right now. But if Mike Evans stays healthy and Gronk stays healthy, mm-hmm. he'll have it. Tom Brady has enough options. So I, I think basically this comes down to the Buccaneers defense, frustrating the heck out of the, the Eagles run d- game. Mm-hmm. And there's nowhere to turn because I don't think Jalen Hurts can throw the ball like he would need to to win the game. So that's where I'm kind of like just kind of loading on the Buccaneers that 
they're going to be able to win the game with yep. their defense. Buccaneers injuries, I don't think will cost them this week. I do think that is something we're concerned about next week, assuming they get past the Eagles. I mean, right. they need they need Mike Evans healthy. They need Leonard Fournette healthy. And Cyril Grayson, like when you're when you're worried about Cyril Grayson walking off the field the way that they were yesterday in that game against the Panthers, like you know that you are very very thin uh, at your skill positions, and so I think that that's something that you know whether they're playing the. Um, whether they're playing the Cowboys or whether they're playing someone else, if the 49ers upset the Cowboys, uh, then we're concerned about that. I think for the reasons you laid out, I'm not too concerned about it. Eight and a half is a big number, but the way that the Buccaneers offenses have been playing recently, uh, I'm a little bit scared off of that. But um, it's one that, again, I would probably lean toward the favorite if I were going to make a play in this game. Really quick, you also like the under. Right. Yeah, it was just – I just think that the – Buccaneers defense to control the game and the Eagles aren't going to be able to put up a bunch of points. And then the Buccaneers, like we discovered, Buccaneers offense isn't like hitting on all cylinders mm-hmm. right now. So I kind of like, I think once they get that lead, they'll just run the ball a little bit more and they're not going to be like trying to put up a bunch of points on the on the Eagles defense. Yep. Um, Cowboys 49ers next game to talk about here. Cowboys three and a half point favorites, 49 and a half the total in this one. This is going to be the game of the weekend, I think. Um I really like the Cowboys. I wish they didn't draw the 49ers. I'd rather like have the Cowboys. I'd rather if, if the Cowboys were eight and a half point favorites against the Eagles, I would be all over the Cowboys. Um, I really like this team. I think the 49ers have a bit of an antidote for them. I still lean the Cowboys. It's not something I'm betting just yet, especially since it's sitting at three and a half. I don't feel any like great need, any great urgency to get in while it's at three and a half. I do lean the Cowboys, and I think it's a ticket I'll be holding by the time uh, this game actually rolls around. Yeah, I think I like the Cowboys at like twelve to one to win the Super Bowl more than I do Cowboys. Yeah, it's a fair three and a half. Yeah. I I don't know why. I I mean I think the Cowboys are kind of going under the radar here a little bit in the NFC. Um, and but there's something stinky about this line. Like it opened, it went to like plus four, and then it kind of came down. And so like the early money came in on the 49ers. So mm-hmm. that was something guaranteed stink- that was going to happen. Right, and it's on the key number right now. So it's a stay away from me for sure. But I do. I mean, I think I like the Cowboys to win straight up in this game. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what you do with this game also is, is play the Cowboys. Like, like, I don't know, man. Like, incredibly impressive performance from the 49ers. When, that, when the Rams got up 17-0, I was, uh, this, game, you know, this is over. The Saints are going to get into the playoffs, which is disgusting. Um, <laughs> which is not, you know, Sean Payton did a hell of a job with that team, but that's not a playoff team. And yeah, that, that's my problem with the seven seed, with the seven seed existing. Is that that's not that's not the Saints were not a playoff team, and they almost were a playoff team if the Rams are able to hold on to that seventeen point lead against the Niners, or and that seven point lead they took late in the game after the Cooper Cup touchdown in the fourth quarter. But yeah, the the that's what worries me about the 49ers, I suppose, is that they are they are liable to have those just ugly stretches. And they've gotten away with them, um, but you can't keep getting away with them. They got away with it against the Ra- against the Rams, just having a nothing of an offense for an entire half. Uh, and maybe that had something to do with Jimmy Garoppolo getting back in, um, you know, with the thumb issue that he's been having. But still, like you can't just keep you can't get away with these stretches, you know, week after week against good teams. And so that's where I think the Cowboys ultimately win this game is that they're just a little bit more consistent offensively. <laughs> Excuse me. What they do, they're a little bit better at than what the 49ers do. But maybe that's really where we come in with this game is is forgetting about the number and thinking about a money line sort of play on the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that's the safest way to go. It's just it screams stinky line to me for whatever reason. I'm just going to stay away from this game for all those mentions. But like I said, Cowboys on a futures ticket either to win the NFC or the Super Bowl could be good value right now. 
All right, can you make any sort of case for the Steelers at plus 12 and a half? I, I, I wouldn't be no. surprised if that's the sharper side of things, but like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. like, I mean, talk about not a playoff team. And again, like what a ridiculous job by Mike Tomlin getting this team into the playoffs. But like, talk about not a playoff team. Like the Chargers are better than this team. If, if I'm uh, taking one side like, on this game, I would take the Steelers, but healthy Lamar because, Jackson like, and the, the Ravens are better right. than this team. Like, right. There are multiple AFC teams that are better than the Steelers. Yet here we are talking about the Steelers going into Kansas City this weekend. But they're a well-coached team. Like this Very is like Mike Tomlin's yeah. like MO. This is like Bill Belichick's MO. Andy Reid, you know, he mm-hmm. always gets I mean, he has Patrick Mahomes now, so it's a little different conversation, but you know, he always gets the best out of these teams. They sneak out wins somehow. Teams cough up wins to them left and right. Maybe the schedule helps them out a little bit, and they end up with nine wins, and they sneak into the last playoff spot. Um, yeah, I, I don't like any – really love any plays here in this game. I, I mean, I think the Chiefs will win, obviously. They did just play a couple weeks ago on December 26th. The Chiefs kind of rolled in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chiefs kind of showed all of their concerns that in that Saturday game against the Broncos – I mean, motivation didn't seem too high because I don't think they thought that the Titans were going to lose to the Texans, but they needed to win that game to wrap up the two seed, which is actually really important for next week Mm -hmm. because they would get the home field advantage in the second round. And the Chiefs are way better at home than they are on the road this year. So I think I'm staying away. The the Steelers is definitely the sharper side in this game. Like the money will be on the Steelers from the sharp side. And I think like the public, public will definitely back the Chiefs just because they love betting favorites and they love betting on Patrick Mahomes. Uh I would just I'm not gonna bet this game at all, but I think the Chiefs will win will win the game. They'll need to get some turnovers. Ben Roethlisberger, Grandpa Grandpa Ben gets his last little playoff game mm-hmm. and makes it in, you know, makes it in the playoffs, which is a good little story for the NFL. But I, I think I think this is a, a game where the Chiefs gonna they take care of business in a in a professional way. Something to keep an eye on is like that Tyreek Hill injury. If Tyreek Hill is not in the game, that Chiefs offense is not the same. Byron Pringles kind of came on as late as kind of like Mahomes like secondary option outside of Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, keep an eye on like Tyreek Hill's practice reports this week and see a lot of times mm-hmm. he will, he'll be limited a lot of time in practice and then play a full game. But I think just something to keep an eye on it. He hates getting hit and the Steelers are definitely going to try and hit him. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's a concern for the chiefs because Tyreek Hill is so important to that offense. There's absolutely no reason to bet this game right now. I, I'll, no matter what side you like, I don't see like, it's not really close to a key number at 12 and a half. You're basically thinking about that as covering 14 or covering 13 and a half at 12 and a half or staying within two touchdowns. If you like the Steelers um, and Tyreek, as you said, like that's such a key for both sides of this game that there is, there's no urgency whatsoever to be betting this game on Monday. I do lean toward the chiefs. If we're going to have a healthy Tyreek and it is still underneath two touchdowns, I'm going to bet the chiefs. They're so much better than the Steelers. Um, and the Steelers, like for like yet again, I mean, look at look at the game against the Ravens. Like, look at the the last win that gets them in. Like, you're not winning. You're not beating the steel the Chiefs like that. You're not scoring right. 16 points in an overtime game and beating the Chiefs. Like, that's not you know if they, if they if they come with that same performance against the Chiefs, it's gonna like yeah they'll they'll score 13 points in regulation. The Chiefs will score 34, and that, and that'll be that. And the Chiefs will waltz into the divisional round. So like. This has just been like it's a great story. It is it is Mike Tomlin's Sistine Chapel this season with uh, the fact that this team is nine seven and one and in the playoffs. Just what a great 
coaching job Mike Tomlin has done this year. Um, you know, what a great job that team did, what a great job that defense has done to really carry the load. Um, the offense has come up when they've needed it. They've, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has hit on some big plays. Chase Claypool's made some big plays. Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, uh, Pat Fryermuth, these guys have made some big plays when they've needed them. So you have to tip your cap to the Steelers that they have gritted their way into the playoffs. But come on, like this is this is not going to be a game. This is not going to be a game. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the under. Um, this is uh, something that as long as Tyreek Hill is healthy, good to go, and it's Tyreek, Tyreek, I think the Chiefs win this one going away. Last game, Monday Night Football, Rams and Cardinals. This is just the ultimate stay away for me. I will not be betting on this game. Um, I, I just don't trust either team. I don't trust either team at all. I mean, talking like, these teams lost. Both these teams lost on Sunday. The Cardinals lost to the to the Seahawks. Like the Cardinals just have been a cratering team since Thanksgiving. Like this is just I don't see how you trust them and the Rams. Like what the hell? What's going on? How do you how do you get up seventeen nothing in that game against the Niners at home, two seed right there in front of you? And then let it get away. I, I mean, I know the 49ers are not some pushover of a team, but like, come on. If you if you are who you think you are and you're the Rams, you have to win that game. You, you get both in the 17 nothing spot and then in the 24-17 spot. Like, one stop. One stop, Rams defense, and that's it. And you're the two seed. You win, and like, it's, it's bad. It's a bad look going into the playoffs, and especially when we're supposed to think that this defense with Aaron Donald up front and Jalen Ramsey in the back is supposed to be this dynamic duo that anchors them at both spots. Like, you got to do better. You just have to do better, and they just they, they didn't. They flat out didn't, and I just don't trust either of these teams. Um, I'm probably just going to be staying away from this game. Yeah, and I don't I, – one thing I didn't understand about that game was, like, why were the Rams trying to run the ball in the second half when they were up so much? Like – their, their plus EV is like when they're throwing yeah. the ball and throwing to Cooper Cup and throwing it to Van Jefferson. Like there's so many. Like McVay's they're... got this like sneaky conservatism about him. He right. always has. And he's got this like boy genius wonderkind reputation. But he's always had – he like he is not Brandon Staley. Right? He is he is not the, the aggressive guy that we all want him to be and believe him to be. And I think that came back to bite them against the Niners. And it didn't end up matter. And I mean the coaches Seating. know what the score – the seating didn't matter, but like the coaches know what the score is of the other game. Like they'll never admit it, but there's oh, no course. way the offensive coordinator isn't looking at his phone like, "Hey, yeah, what's the score sure. in Arizona?" Yeah. Like, here's where we're at. Like, yeah, right. When the, hey, when the Seahawks Penny went just up ripped big, off a big touchdown run, we're going to win the yeah, division. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got this under control. Like, I, I one thing I will say about the Cardinals, like Rodney Hudson, they're all pro center. Like he's been banged up in the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. He played the last couple of weeks. They've looked better with him better. Like, And Kyler had over, over 200 yards rushing yesterday, so that's like a good sign that his ankle's starting to feel a lot better. If I'm leaning one side, I, I really kind of want to bet the Cardinals. Me but too. I also like, I'll take the I, points I, when I don't trust either team. And, I, like, and I, I, I trust the talent level, but I don't trust the execution. I'll take the points, but it's probably one I'm just going to stay away from. Maybe the under, to be honest. Yeah, I like. I think I do like the Cardinals plus four, and I'll, I'm gonna keep an eye on this spread and and mm-hmm. see what happens. But I think I kind of like the Cardinals because, like, the Rams from a psychological point of view, like the superstars just don't seem like they're playing for each other. There's so many superstars on that team right now, but this team doesn't feel like they're playing to win a Super Bowl. They feel like they're playing for themselves. They feel like they're playing for the glitz and glam of Los Angeles. Like they just don't <laughs> feel like they're. Like they're they're not showing up for each other. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Is they like, don't care about Matthew Stafford's Hall of Fame credentials. They don't. <laughs> and like 
this team has talent all over the board, but like the last few weeks, the Rams have just been all over the place. And I, I, it's been weird. Like they just had so many weird games mm-hmm. since they've made that big trade for Von Miller. It's like, did this team just think they're going to waltz through the, the playoffs? Like, they think they're just that much better than the Cardinals. Like, I just don't know what team's going to show up. And then, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about the Rams in the Super Bowl in two or three weeks either. And, that, so, that, see, that's, and that's my point. Like, I, like, they could totally just snap it all together and beat the Cardinals and then upset the Packers. I think the Packers are winning the Super Bowl, but upset the Packers, knock off the Cowboys, and here they are in the Super Bowl at home. Yeah, and yeah, none of that would shock me at all. But I think I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna make. I'll make this for the record. I'll make a Cardinals plus four bet right now. Just beautiful. Just because I think I think they're gonna show up. I think they're getting healthier. Mm -hmm. I think their defense will make some plays and frustrate Stafford because we've seen that happen. We've seen them get frustrated in the last couple weeks. Yeah, we have. And it's like it's like uh, he threw that he threw that long pick yesterday um, when it was tied. Stafford did, and it seems like he gets he like. When things start falling apart, it's like he tries to throw, you know, uh, like a, a ten and a half point touchdown pass, you know, and just like that could be something that ends up biting the Cardinal or biting the Rams uh, as we go through these playoffs, or even as recently as this week. Um, but it's just, it's uh, right now. I just don't want to touch it, and uh, I would lean toward the Cardinals. But right now, I just I, I have no feel for either of these teams, and both of them, neither of them laying an egg would surprise me at any point of the playoffs. Is that why McVay keeps rushing the ball? Is because he's afraid that Stafford's going to throw that pick that like turns the momentum of the game. So it's safer, it's safer to run the ball on first and second down, and then throw to Higby or Cup on third down and try and like move the chains, and then just eat up some blocks so that he's afraid that he's going to make that. He's, he doesn't want to go for the dagger. Like they never go for the dagger. I think if you're the Rams, you gotta you gotta like throw it to Cooper Cup twelve times every game. And I think like if there's a if there's a hidden fat weapon for the Rams, it's it's got to be OBJ, right? Right. I mean, if, if they can get like eighty percent of the Giants' OBJ going, then I think that offense could look a lot differently. But they haven't been able to do that with any consistency this season, and that I mean that really sums up both of these teams is the things that they've done well, they haven't been able to do well consistently, and that's why we're talking about this as a four or five game rather than one of them being the one seed and the other one being a five seed favorite on the road. Right, and this is why they both these teams had the opportunity to be the two seed and avoid like a really. I mean, that's that, that, that like says everything you need to know about like a f- three weeks ago. It seemed like a guarantee that one of these teams, that the winner of this division, was the two seed, and now we're talking about this as a four or five game, and one of them going home. And like right. that's that that to me, if if I was going to sum up this game in one sentence, that's it. And like that's why, as we sit here on Monday morning, it's one that I don't want to play just yet. But if we can maybe get this two Cardinals four and a half, Cardinals five, then I might be a little bit more interested in the Cardinals. But again, that's why we're going to be checking in on these games every single episode of Best on the Board this week. We do have to call it an episode here uh, today. Thank you so much for joining us. For Ari Wasserman, Dan Santaramita, a little earlier. Enjoy that Georgia-Alabama game, and everyone. And for DeWitt right here, I am Michael Beller. We say goodbye. We say good luck. We say happy betting. And we'll talk to you soon. See you.